This is Sam Calagione, founder and CEO of Dogfish Head Brewery, and you are listening to At The Bar Podcast. Cheers. That your bosses would care? Uh, no, no, I don't no. think they would care. I mean, I do curse a good bit on the show, but I don't think that they'd really yeah. give a give a hoot. <laughs> yeah. Back in my uh, cubicle days, I was on the news because I was impersonating Rick Scott on Twitter. <laughs> and <laughs> you never heard this? No. So uh, the news wanted to like unveil me as the guy behind the because I basically <laughs> I basically hijacked his Twitter town hall meeting, pretending to be him. And um, <laughs> it, it, like nobody would have noticed if he hadn't accidentally retweeting him, uh, somebody <laughs> calling him a dumbass or something like that. So that's like when the news picked up on it and everybody was like, well, he didn't answer any of our questions, but that guy was entertaining. <laughs> and um, I was just saying like the most horrible shit that you like, it was like a character of him. You know what I mean? And um, so they had me on the news, and like I was terrified my bosses were gonna see it the next day. And I went to the <laughs> office, and nobody knew shit. It was like nobody watched the news. Nobody. <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. You, had, you were impersonating Rick Scott. That's so funny. And you yeah. were hopefully recording that. Oh, I got the whole thing. Wonderful. <laughs> Great way thing. to start a show. You see me quickly go over here and like, real fast. Oh. With that being said, welcome to another episode of Out the Bar Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me today on location, Jeff. We're in Rick a row. Scott. we're on location here we're in west palm downtown west palm at west palm brewing in wine vault and this episode has been a long time in the making Mm, yes it has and now it's finally here we have long time listener twitter epic twitter troll (laughs) uh and, and a good guy uh joel and you're the head brewer here Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thanks for having Welcome. us. This coffee is delicious. Thank you. That's so. Uh, is it the shit? Is this the shit kind? No, no. This, this is, is uh, this is from Oceana Coffee Roasters. This is their uh, Mexican roast. So uh, we use this in most of our coffee beers right now. I, I love coffee beer. I like to work on on different coffee beers, different coffee roasters. Uh, we've worked with a few local roasters already. Uh, with, with just all different kinds of varieties, but this one we've taken a liking to the most, and we, we've used the most of it. It's it's their uh, their Mexican roast. Uh, it really imparts these great notes of chocolate that I love in the beer, and uh, we've we've put it in all kinds of beers. It's actually in our uh, golden stout that's on tap right now. Okay, cool. Interesting. So we're drinking coffee before beer, which is weird. We never. It's like the second episode in a row we've done that. Yeah. But um, so we're well, here we've at been West getting Palm. at it a bit, so we need West a little Palm picker up. Brewing in Wine Vault mm-hmm. downtown. So we're gonna we're gonna start off by asking you a little bit about you, kind of where you got started in terms of what maybe what you did before brewing, and what made you kind of switch to uh, brewing beer. Uh, so before brewing, which wasn't that long ago, I was basically a cubicle jockey, just kind of a directionless, aimless cubicle drone. Um, kind of meandering throughout corporate America, really going nowhere, but uh, found a love for craft beer and met a lot of local beer people. And this was back when there was really no scene down here. I mean, there were no breweries. I think we didn't even have Tequesta. Um, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, they were Corner Cafe. And oh, wow. um, so anyone who had a passion for craft beer pretty much knew each other because we all kind of ran in the same circles and just you know found each other online or at beer meetups and that kind of stuff. And um, then uh, in 2012, 
do South Brewing opened, uh, I was technically, uh, they, they like to joke I was the first employee because I volunteered to pour beer for them at the Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival like four months before they opened in 2012. And uh, I started there day one just twice a month to make some extra cash behind the bar uh, and just tried to pick up a shift whenever I could. I would, I would fill in for anybody that needed coverage. Um, and twice a month turned into uh, weekly and then it turned into twice a week and then uh, less than a year later they needed help in the brew house and I quit my miserable <laughs> cubicle job and uh, went full time into uh, the brewery and just started at the bottom washing kegs, cleaning tanks, kegging, you know, doing, doing all the dirty work. So which, and that's interesting because we met you briefly, I think two years ago at Mariana Trench Day. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. And uh, Brian Tonneson said he was a first employee. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll have to talk to him about that. I don't that know if that's true or not, but... Battle. Yeah, Brian's a good dude. He, yeah, was, was, he, he was there day one, too. And okay, um, yeah. he was also working with, I think, Brown Distributing at the time. And then he went into sales full-time and then uh, came back, and he was our sales guy for a while. Yeah. So we met you through Do South and vice versa. So I'm yeah. kind of... You started working more at Do South, and what kind of led you to being where you were at Do South? More full-time... Yeah, so uh, basically I was spending all of my time there. I mean, I just I loved being there. I loved being a part of it, uh, being part of a brewery, le learning something new every single day. You know, every day was kind of an adventure. It was great to not have to put on dockers and a button down and, and you know, stare at a screen all day. So I, I was loving it. I was having tons of fun, um, and I just did whatever I could to help out and be a part of it and make sure everything was, you know, working properly and getting beer on tap and all that. And they, they slowly kind of worked me into the brew house. Uh, back at that time, uh, our assistant brewer was Kevin from Barrel of Monks. So um, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was he, a circle. yeah he was working with us for a little bit and um, kind of took me under his wing and it was it was really good that yeah you know he was there to help me because he has a very um, his his teaching style is very much like the learning style that I need like just very logical and methodical and like okay if I press this what's going to happen next and and kind of thinking several steps down the line. And, um, you know, it wasn't just like, here's what you have to do and do it. You know, it was more of like, you know, to really think about it and teach it. So he was he was a great mentor for the time that uh, uh, he was there with us. And um, then I was kind of like a, a brewer. Um, I, I was given a brewer business card long before I ever brewed a drop of beer there. But they kind of they kind of had this mentality like we're all in it together. We all make the beer together, even if you're at the mm -hmm. bottom of the top. So uh, part of me thought that was crazy. And part of me thought that was maybe like kind of a test to see if I'd step up. And yeah. um, hopefully I did. Uh, they were very supportive. And, you know, I had no homebrewing experience or anything like that. I took Funky Buddha's very first homebrew class back at the lounge, uh, bought myself a homebrew kit, and then moved into an apartment that didn't allow an open flame on your patio. So uh, <laughs> I was kind of screwed. And I ended up learning 500 gallons at a time as opposed to five. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that kit is still somewhere. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, so like I was just you know doing everything I could. I I really tried to put the beer first over everything, and um, you know I, I I really worked hard over there, and and was really proud of a lot of stuff we did, and the ownership was pretty cool. I mean they they eventually said you know they have these you know intensive brewing courses you can take, and we'll send you out, and uh, they ended up sending me to uh, UC Davis for a week in January 2016, I want to say. And uh, had a really awesome week there, really intensive course, got to fill in a lot of the gaps in the science and learn from their uh, very uh, famous professors. I mean, I mean, some of these guys were just infamous. I, did, I didn't know of them at the time, but, you know, they've written tons of books. And, I mean, one of them was teaching 
brewing science, like not even knowing it, but teaching it since a year before Kennedy got shot. So it's like, if wow. there's anyone I'm going to listen to, it's this right. guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it was, it was quick. It was a lot to take in in one week, but, uh, th- then I came back and a couple months later, uh, I was awarded the Florida Brewers Guild, uh, annual John Doble Memorial Scholarship, which sends you to the Siebel Institute for, uh, two weeks in Chicago. So that happened, uh, I went out there in November, 2016 and, uh, got to learn for a couple of weeks, and that was crazy because it's like day one. You're sitting right in front of Ray Daniels, and he's teaching water chemistry. It's it's insane. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel like your story. I think more of all the people we've interviewed, your story is act the most unique because yeah. you started this brewing the the soonest. Like most of these guys have been brewing for ten years, fifteen years. I don't Home know, brewing, homebrew scale, yeah, this and that, yeah. and then they eventually got you know wanted to, to brew professionally. You. Learn, like you said, on a 500-barrel system at New South not that long ago. Like, we, this show started almost three years ago in October. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's pretty much when you started brewing, yep. more or less, right? So it's like... Uh, yeah, I was getting worked. Like, I was in the cellar from, like, 2013. I mean, like, I was, I was there all the time and always trying to help out any way I could. So I, I picked up lots of little stuff before I was actually in the brew house. And then when I came on in 2013, just started, you know, cleaning kegs and, and, and all that stuff. Um, and I got worked into it little by little. And, uh, I think I was like on the, you know, brew team by 2014. Yeah. That's the, yeah. We started the show in, uh, 2015 mm-hmm. or no, uh, yeah, 2015. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's crazy to me. That's like awesome. Yeah. That you, you've accelerated so fast to, to be where you're at now. Um, so well, it's like it seems like you really took the initiative to kind of better your own uh, education and you went after those kind of classes and stuff and, and, and were able to get that scholarship as well. And um, it's, it kind of shows if you really want to learn it, you can learn it. You and, know? and the options and, uh, you know, options right. are there to learn and, and further that. Yeah, I mean, I, I came from cubicle hell and I, you know, I, I know it sounds overdramatic, but they really did save my life at Due South, you know, taking me on and, and giving me a chance because I had no experience. And, you know, they just knew that I cared about the brewery and I cared about the beer and they gave me a shot. And, you know, I to this day, I've never forgotten the cubicle. I mean, there are people who come up to me and sometimes they're like, man, I miss angry, miserable cubicle, Joel, because like I would just say horrible things online and to entertain <laughs> them. You know, I, I had nothing to do but sit at a computer all day and just spout off, you know, horrible things. But I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, I was in like just a, a bad place. I, I had nowhere to go. I had nothing to do. I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. So I, you know, I think about that every single day whenever I'm working and, you know, even on my worst day, it's like, well, I know I'm not sitting under this fluorescent light with some like AC repairman standing on the walls of my cubicle, like where I can see up his shorts because that, ha- that happened many times. Um, you know, there's, there, there's nobody microwaving fish. <laughs> there's nobody microwaving fish in the office. Like it's, you know, it, it, it's a totally different thing. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'll do tours here on the weekends and people will ask those same questions like how did I start and all that kind of stuff and I tell them and I, I still can't believe it. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I feel I just I feel very lucky. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's a good story. You yeah, know, that, that you can. It's OK to not like your job, but it's not OK if you don't do anything about it. Right. Know? Right. So. Well, not now look what you get to work in, you know, yeah, right. it's like, yeah. You're definitely not in a cubicle staring at somebody's junk out of the bottom of their pants. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what? What happened? So you're at Due South, and what made you land here at West Palm Brewing and Wine Vault? So uh, I was at Due South until about a year ago. Uh, I guess the 25th would have been my last day last year of August. 
Um, so I was there. Like I, I eventually worked my way all the way up to head brewer. Um, you know, we, we had won a couple of medals at like best Florida beer and that kind of stuff. You know, we were having a good time. Um, and part of me just kind of felt like I did all I could do there. Um, it, it gets a little tough when you're kind of brewing the same stuff all the time because you're brewing for production and, mm-hmm. and distribution and, you know, you're, you're subject to the seasonal creep. So you're brewing your Oktoberfest and your pumpkin in July and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that, that can wear on you from time to time. And um, I, just, I just started looking around. You know, I really wasn't trying to pursue another job or anything like that. But I just, you know, I happened to see a couple ads and I was just kind of, you know, poking my head out there and seeing what was out there. And uh, I saw an ad for this place, and it honestly sounded a little outrageous at first. Um, <laughs> it, it sounded very much like someone who hadn't worked in a brewery had written it. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of eccentric. And um, you guys know Mike loves beer, right? So yeah, I, I, I'd, pull him, I'd pull him aside and I'd be like, dude, dude, look at this, look at this ad. This, this is crazy. And I just kind of threw my resume out there, like, just let's see what happens. And I didn't hear anything for a while. And then got a couple phone calls, a um, couple you know, phone interview, then phone interview with the GM. And it was just like back and forth, constant interviews for like weeks. And then there was a Skype interview on video and in person interviews. But, um, it, it really seemed like a fresh start. It was really refreshing to not have to deal with distribution and all that kind of stuff and, and, you know, have fun and, and, and make whatever you like. Uh, you know, we don't have to keep putting out the same two core brands every week. And um, it's it, that's what really attracted me to the place. I met the owner, John Pankowski. He had like a really great vision for the place. He took me around here before, you know, when this was all under construction, and showed me, you know, how everything was going to be laid out, and you know, our kitchen. You know, I, obviously the brew pub is no new idea, but there aren't a whole lot of them down here. Mm-hmm. So you know, the food makes a big difference. We're not relying on food trucks who tend to break down or double book, or you know, it's it's barbecue three nights in a row. So it's, uh, you know, it was kind of a refreshing concept to me. And he didn't want to do a lot of the same old stuff that all the different breweries are doing. And I just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that sometimes I just need to change a pace and change a scenery. And it was terrifying to make the jump. But, um, you know, once I really met these people and, and found out what they were all about and how much they cared about quality and service and uh, having a good experience here at the brewery, it, it, it definitely attracted me. So I, you know, kept, kept going for it and uh, fortunately got it. Yeah, awesome. awesome. So you, you pretty much get to brew whatever you want, more or less. Yeah, yeah. There's very little. all in-house. and. Yep. Yeah, we don't distribute. Uh, the most that will go out the door is uh, Crowler or Growler, uh, although we will occasionally do like a, a, a keg swap with, you know, brewery friends. We were at the mm-hmm. Bang & Banjo anniversary a few yeah, weeks back. the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, hopefully we'll have some stuff on at the Steam Horse Grand opening soon. So, um, you know, that, that's as far as it goes, and that's good. You know, and, and I, I try to tell the staff, like, we can't control what happens to it when it goes out the door. Like, believe me, I know. So <laughs> make sure you're sealing that growler right and the whole deal because there's nothing to stop any of these people from just throwing it in their trunk and then going shopping down the street for the next four hours. Right. Yeah. yeah. So people do that. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people do that. And then that. they wonder why the beer tastes funky. Yeah. Uh, I left it, it in my good. car for four days and then I opened it and it didn't taste good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we, you know, people, people get mad. We don't uh, crawler or growler the guest taps. And it's like, I'm not going to be responsible for packaging anyone, anyone else's beer. Right. Because they could very well post a picture of a crawler with our label on it that says, you know, Cigar City, whatever. And they say it tastes like shit. Yeah. And, you know, we screwed it up somehow. Right. Or they just left it it's in their trunk idea. for a week. That's a very good idea to not cr- See, it's something I things. wouldn't have thought about. That's like yeah. the business. That's, you know, once you get into the business, you realize the little issues and the things that you wouldn't think about until you're in it. But that's sure. uh, definitely a good concern because especially with social media the way it is. Yeah. The last thing you want is your your logo being associated with somebody else's brand for yeah. any reason. I mean, you know right. what I mean? 
That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. So what what system are you running on uh, now? So this is a DME 10 barrel uh, system. Uh, we have a combo mash lauder ton and a boil kettle, which uh, is heated by steam. We have a boiler room back there, that wall you can see down in the end. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, the other two vessels in that room right there are 30 barrel hot and cold liquor tanks. So just, you know, hot and cold water. It's all we could possibly need for a brew day, cleaning and sanitizing mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, and then we have six fermenters in this room. Uh, we have two 20s and four 10s. The, uh, the 20s, I don't get a whole lot of use out of. Uh, I've only filled one of them once with our Blondale, which is by far our most popular. There is uh, our 10th batch of Blondale in that tank right now, but it's only half full because I've brewed 120 of it in there when I realized, like, we really need to have Blonde on tap. And uh, it's basically due to our limited uh, walk-in capacity. I have seven serving tanks that are 10 barrels and uh, about 40 barrels worth of kegs. So there's only so much I can do with finished beer. Uh, wow. I don't have any bright tanks in here. Hopefully we'll be getting some uh, to help production out. But, um, you know, everything coming out of the fermenter has to go somewhere if I'm going to turn that tank over. So I don't yep. want to leave, you know, the second half of that batch sitting there for a month. So, right. uh, you know, we, we can get it turned over much quicker if we just brew into it once. So it's basically 60 barrels of, of brewing capacity. And what um, style, I mean, I, I know what beers you, you brew, but what kind of what... Do you keep with a sp special style, or you just kind of brew all over the place with styles? Or we're uh, we're a little bit all over the place. Uh, when we first opened, I had no idea what to expect from the downtown West Palm Beach crowd. I had never spent sure. much time out here. I know we're two blocks from a lot of like bars and restaurants and stuff like that, places where you can get buckets of Corona. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what to expect, and. You know, good breweries dump bad beer, so I didn't want to come out with some crazy triple hopped IPA and have to, you know, send it down the drain. Right. Uh, <laughs> what's that look about? Uh, that's that's the, second, the second time we've heard second that. Thing in two days. <laughs> yeah. Second really? brewery yeah. that said that. That's, yeah. That's good. Alan from um, Walking Tree said that yesterday. And we yeah, were like the exact awesome. same thing. And we're like, that's the second time I've or that's the first time I've ever heard that. And then you just said it. I'm like, <laughs> that's the second, second time we've heard it. Second time I've heard it, and it's been in two days. Yeah. That's bad beer. Those guys. Those guys are awesome. They 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 make great beer. We were there a few weeks back for a Florida Brewers Guild members social. Uh, and they we we loved everything they had there, and they're the nicest guys. They are super nice. Yeah, real cool people. Yeah, but like I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, and you know, breaking in a brand new system, I didn't want to make a bunch of crazy experimental stuff and then have to dump it all, and and you know, with that, all the money and everything. Fortunately, uh, the worst problem I had was you know, I had the very first stuck mash of my life on the first brew we did, which was our saison. Uh, uh, I was probably just milling the uh, grain a little bit too fine, and you know, we just made some adjustments, and and everything seemed to work out okay. Um, you know, the brew house took some tweaking over, over our first few months, but, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, on autopilot right now, just making beer, transferring beer. Um, and so, you know, to start off, we had a Saison, a Blonde, an IPA, a double IPA, a Porter, and a Hef. Uh, so, we, you know, we kept it very basic out of the gate, tried to offer a little something for everyone and just, you know, kind of get used to the system and get a feel for it. And uh, as it turns out, people down here really like beer-flavored beer, which is a Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we've done some, you know, tinkering and all that kind of stuff. Troy right here, uh, who uh, was also a cellarman at Due South. I knew he looked familiar. Uh, yeah. I knew it. Yeah. He, uh, he just got a new haircut, so he's kind of incognito. But uh, <laughs> he... Uh, he was kind of the treatment guy, so um, it was great to bring him on board uh, in the past month or so because he's helped me increase production. He uh, required no training whatsoever because he had been at Due South for a few years in the cellar as well, so 
uh, it's great to just go, hey, I need that tank cleaned or whatever, and he just does it, and there's no training or anything involved, mm-hmm. right. which was such a huge relief because uh, we really want to get more house beer on tap. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's helped really bring along, you know, the treatments and stuff like that. We always have, like, a fruited blonde. We always have a coffee beer. Uh, we got coconut beer for you guys. Uh, I if heard. You get thirsty. Yeah. So yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've been known to like a coconut beer here and there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Troy's really great at that stuff, and that's where he really excels. So he's been helping uh, with that a lot. And, uh, you know, we were doing a little more tinkering. Hopefully, I mean, we're just brewing right now to keep up with uh, the tap room. Um, you know, without distributing, it's very insane that we're on our 10th batch of blonde, uh, you know, for it just going through the glass. But... Um, People responded to that one the best. You know, they just down here. They just like they, you know they get off work down the street. They just want to come have a beer, and they seem to like having things that they can have more than one of. So you know, we're not brewing anything too high alcohol yet. I mean, we've got a stout right here behind me that's about eight point three percent. I mean, that's probably the highest we've gone so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're not getting too crazy. I'd love to do some barrel stuff, but uh, we never really slowed down this summer um, mm-hmm. production. And uh, consumption actually went up for us, but yeah. you know, like we're we're downtown, we've got condos going up all around us, so the neighborhood's been really supportive and, and keeping us going, which is great. Mm-hmm. So it, easy to say that you guys have been busy. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> very very strangely, like people who I know from other breweries that are in like those warehouse districts, they'll come in here and they'll be like, "Is it always like this?" And we're like, "Yeah, it kind of is." And they always go, "Good problem to have." <laughs> and like I just And you're I like, just, "Oh, you say that." Yeah. yeah. And it's you're like not I the wish one brewing three times. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like I wish I had lasers in my eyes that I could just, you know, <laughs> cut them in half. That's good. That's good. No, so, um, well, that's good because it's this time of year. I know, I mean, for me, uh, up by me, it's it's slowed down pretty significantly. Um but being as young as you are, it's like kind of that honeymoon phase. You get a lot of the people who are still coming in to check you yeah. out, which is keeping you yeah. busy and get in a slow time of year, which is awesome. Um, and down here, I bet you it's not as much of a wave into the off season because you have a ton of condos, like you were saying, and a bunch of year round people. So, um, no, it's awesome. It seems like it's going really well. And it's, the place is beautiful. Thanks. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So um, you want to get started? Oh, yeah. With some beers. Oh, right. do I ever. Cool. We'll be right back. <laughs> Anyway. And, and we're back. We're back. So we have uh, so four beers here. We're, we're sharing, Jeff. Yes. So don't I, get, well, don't get too much. crazy yet. Yeah, I wouldn't even be able okay. to drive. So we got these nice pours here. Everything's looking good. So we're going to start with <laughs> with <laughs> Derek's making something funny. I'm not smiling again. Is that what you're about? <laughs> oh, so it looks like things are already falling off the rails. <laughs> we got no beer yet. We never so had this, rails. This first one is very special. I, it was the first beer I, I picked. Yes, this is called uh, the One Star Dougie, correct? Yes, yes. Ah. One Star Dougie uh, Mosaic Dry Hop Pale Ale. So that is, um, that's a pale ale I brewed. That I want to say that was our seventh batch of beer. So we came out with our first six when we opened, and then the seventh uh, came along maybe within the next couple of days. And I had no name for it. But uh, I knew I wanted to do this, this, you know, Mosaic Dry Hop Pale Ale. Brewed it. It was all good. I, you know, I was getting ready to put it on tap. And we were having one of these like after shift meetings after um, like our first couple of nights. And on our very first night, uh, our soft opening, there was a guy in here who was just tearing us apart and kind of deservedly so. But he was just ripping us apart on all forms of social media, Yelp and the whole deal. Um, one star review saying, well, this beer sucks, but it's better than the service. Just all that kind of stuff. And like, oh I mean, that's why you have a soft opening to like work out the kinks and all that kind of stuff. And, like, we ran out of wings in the first hour. The chefs accidentally locked themselves out of the prep room. The POS was acting up. So anything oh that could Literally go- the reason you have a soft <clears throat> opening, though. Like, if somebody's, yeah, yeah. why are you reviewing somebody based on their soft opening? Right. And like literally <laughs> the first night, right? 
Yeah. So I mean, we had a night before. We had we had a night before that was like private friends and family thing, and nothing was rung up. I mean, it was complimentary to like a private group. Right. And then we had our first public night the next night, and the guy was just killing us. I mean, just saying horrible things. So you know, it's disappointing because you don't want to let anybody down. And, you know, obviously there are things we could have done better and we've been striving to improve since day one. But, you know, you know, you're never going to please everybody. And I went through, you know, mistakenly, I went through the whole Yelp rabbit hole and just started looking at some of his other reviews. And it was like one star for Chipotle because uh, the portions aren't what they used to be. Or this Chinese restaurant says they're open on the website and they're not open. So it was like he's that guy. Yeah, it was either one star or five stars. So, you know, there's no real constructive criticism. And his name was Doug something. And I was like, we should call it One Star Dougie and just kind of, you know, take the negative criticism and turn it on its head. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like when you see those things online, it's like the sandwich board, like that, that chalkboard out front of a bar or a pub or something. And it says, come try the worst meatball sandwich you've ever right. had, according to some guy on Yelp. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. kind of what we wanted to do with it. And I threw the name out there at this meeting one night. And everybody just started howling, laughing. They're like, no, you got to do that. You got to do that. I'm like, all right, well, that, that's what it is. Then deal. Now, nah, I mean, come he, back in. I doubt it. He said <laughs> in the interview, or sorry, the, the review, it said first time, last time. Um, he said we should have had a soft opening. <laughs> so it was like, all right, thanks. We'll have one. Um, Did you respond to the Yelp? No, no. I mean, I don't have access to the, the yeah. Yelp page, and I rarely. If anything, I'm, I'm looking I'll look through it for like negative reviews because mm-hmm. I obviously don't want any of those. And if there are ways we can improve, I want to hear it. And right. some people are afraid to like confront you and say, Hey, look, I couldn't get my check or this was cold or, you know, something wasn't right. They'd rather just be a keyboard commando and go home and tear you apart. Well, and that's the world we live in now, unfortunately. And I, I'm, I have my own Yelp, you know, that I run on for my restaurant. And it's what frustrates me more than anything with Yelp is that, well, there's two things. One, it's a non-expert, giving you an expert opinion about your, about your thing. Like you're, you don't run restaurants, manage them, own them, whatever. This is not your line of work. So you can't tell me that you genuinely know what's going wrong or the, or the things that, you know, I have people that tell me my concepts wrong. Like, yeah. well then don't, that's my concept. Like you can't tell, <laughs> like you can't tell me it's wrong for what, for the location. I mean, that's what we are. So, um, you know, there's that. But the other thing is there's the people who don't draw attention to the issue at the restaurant. And then they go home and write a review about it. And it's like, we could have taken care of this and right. fixed this and made yeah. your experience better had you just opened your mouth and yeah. said, hey, listen, you know, my steak was overcooked or my, you know, whatever. I'd be happy to get you a new steak and we can make you actually have a good experience or, you know, you can go home and be pissed about it and write a review. And then, yeah. then now I have to deal with it, you know, through the Internet, but yeah. whatever. So this beer is very good. It is very good. Very good. I'm a big fan of Mosaic Hop for sure. Mm-hmm. Nice flavorful body clean crisp finish this is a, this is a good one thank you how many good reviews do i have to give you to be, have a beer named five star <laughs> jeffy <laughs> i uh, want a five star jeffy style <laughs> oh, oh, oh i like that yeah, yeah, i like yeah. that yes oh we're on to something i'll give you guys a five star review for a jefe <laughs> this is very good i i do like it pale ales are starting to uh come around for me as a style that i i enjoy more than i did there's not, there's not any style now that I'm just like uh, that I don't like anymore. Berliners were the last straw for me. Yeah, now that I'm now that, that I'm into Berliners, I'm doing good. Yeah, buddy. Got to get that pineapple upside down. Pineapple upside, upside down. down. <laughs> so the next one is the coconut. Yeah, toasted coconut toasted cream ale. Coconut cream ale. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a version of our uh, rescue dog cream ale, and uh, 
It has lactose oh, uh, in the boy. base. And uh, we took the base beer and steeped it in uh, some locally sourced sweet coconut flakes that we toasted in our uh, wood-fired oven in the kitchen. That's stupid good. That is really good. That's Thank not you. what I would have expected in a cream ale. That's awesome. Thanks. It's sweet, but not like melt the my finish is sweet. The finish is awesome. Yes. Take a breath afterwards and just to get that like coconut, just like toasted coconut sitting on your, on your tongue. Yeah. And that lactose is like definitely just kind of cream smooths it out a little oh, bit. Yeah. Like almost not vanilla-y, but a little sweetness. Thank That's you. That's really, really That's good. stupid good. That's on awesome. a side Thanks. note, I keep accidentally smelling my microphone thinking I'm smelling a beer. Well, now we're, we're all we're, smelling them now. I'm like, <laughs> what does it, it smell like? I pick the beer up to my nose and then I like go to talk and I'm like, wait, that's the mic. Wait. <laughs> that's really good. Yes. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. I'm, you're not getting it back. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so this next one, we're, we're rapid firing here for some reason because I want to get to everything, uh, is the, you mentioned it earlier, the Blonde. This yes. is your bestseller. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was one of the first uh, six beers that we put out, and I just made it to have the light option because people always come in and they're like, what's the lightest thing you got? So, uh, um, That's a good blonde. Thanks. Thanks. Um, it's uh, about 4.9%, you know, real easy drinking. I just tried to make something light and refreshing and, you know, beer-flavored beer, as they call it. Um, and people just really responded to it. Like I said, over there in Tank 1, that's our 10th batch in mm-hmm. just over seven months, and we don't distribute or anything. So to go through it the way we do in the glass is crazy. I mean, I have to, I have to brew it every two weeks. I mean, the... Two weeks after we opened, I looked at that serving tank, and there's a little sight glass on the side of it, and I was like, oh, shit, like, it's okay. half gone. I have to We're brew it screwed. again now. Yeah. Like, I hadn't planned to rebrew anything because we really didn't talk about core brands or any sort of, you know, mainstays. We just were talking about having fun with it and keeping it, you know, refreshed all the time. But I said, if it's going like that and people are responding that well to it, then we're just going to keep making it. So basically, our meter made IPA and our blonde are almost mm-hmm. always in a fermenter. So I basically have four fermenters to play with instead of six. Yeah. Well, we just talked about it yesterday, the Blondale and uh, the Kolsch is becoming like new core brands for breweries a lot more often now. Yeah. You see them more so than the Pale Lagers, and now we're here again, and, and another the Blonde, blonde. blonde. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's amazing. I think it's way better. Um, I, I've always, we've talked about Kolsch's before, how they just have a little bit more uh, ability to be tweaked and played with and a little bit more interesting than a Pale Lager with kind of similar body. So I've, I've said that I can't believe that's not a, a bigger style. Um, but the blonde really is stepping up and I almost think that's a better core style. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do more with it. It has just a slightly bigger body and a little bit more fun kind of notes to it. Um, but it's also very light and very approachable. I, that style to me could easily be like the core line for almost anybody, yeah, but if, yeah, as long as you do it right. Right. But it's, I mean, that's a fantastic one. So a lot of blondes that I've had in the past taste like lagers, like bland, quote unquote bland, clean, crisp, but really no flavor at all. Like for me, a good blonde is, is something like that where it's a little bit fuller, fuller, fuller body, but a dash of sweetness on the, mm-hmm. on the end, just a touch. And for me, I think that gets treated better if you want to add anything because you have that sweetness there. But I feel like blondes shouldn't taste like lagers. They shouldn't taste like Pilsners. It's its own genre. You could could do almost anything with this as far as treatment goes. Like, whereas whereas there's beers, you know, that like like a Berliner, it's like fruit fruit treatments. Like, you've seen some other weird stuff, but it doesn't always play nice. 
but like everybody knows Berliner, you throw some fruit in it and it's probably okay. Yeah. Like this, you could go fruit, you could go lactose, you could go, I mean, you could do whatever yeah. you want with it and really make this a cool beer in any direction. Um, and it stands on its own. So it's yeah. it's a really cool core brand. It's a it's a good building block beer, as well as a, a great beer that obviously stands on its own because you're brewing it like crazy. Yeah. yeah. No. Thank you very much. And and we we have tinkered with it a little bit. Um, the very first treatment I did was just a raspberry, and basically we just take mm -hmm. whole raspberries, hydrate them with the blonde, um, emulsify it, and just turn it into like a puree, mm -hmm. and then we steep that in the base beer. And um, then we did like blueberry and mixed berry, and you know we tried a few different things. But it was like people would genuinely get pissed if I didn't have the raspberry. On. And I just made it to have like one little extra thing on tap, you know, a little variant. Mm -hmm. And it's like now I have to have it all the time. So it's it's the raspberry's even been a mainstay. Oh and, you God. know, the, the process <laughs> that we do, like I don't like to use any extracts or, you know, and this kind of goes back to the coconut. Like I don't like the flavorings. I've I've tried them all. I've tasted them all. When you go to CBC every year, there's like every booth of like flavorings, like these are all people that work with candy companies and, and like, the, like the, the passion fruit you're getting is probably the same, you know, fruit that they're putting in, you know, your cough medicine or whatever it is. And that's right. why you get that cough medicine astringent flavor in so mm -hmm. many of those things. You know, I, before we ever opened, I got a box from that Amoretti and like I just threw it right in the dumpster. Like I don't want to <laughs> use any of that stuff. Right. And I get why people use it. I know some versions of that stuff work really well and I get why all those flavorings are and extracts are used because it helps save on you know volume in your tank you're not putting a thousand pounds of peanut or chocolate in the tank you know it's just a little shot of liquid yeah. and you get to save the beer and it's not as labor intensive but to me it really you know comes across in the flavor and I, i've just i've used so many of those things before and i've tasted so many of them it's like once i taste it i know it's in there right and that's why i feel like the coconut really works and why the fruit works. You know, I think we got like just enough fruit in them to not overpower you and be like, oh, I'm drinking a melted popsicle or something. Mm -hmm. But um, the people have really responded well to them. Do you feel that like um, those extracts and those things can provide like a little bit more consistency sometimes too? Oh, absolutely. Because they always taste the same. Absolutely. Like, I know there's uh, just off the top of my head because we do a jalapeno margarita. And every jalapeno you cut varies from like oh, yeah. insanely hot to like doesn't even taste like a jalapeno mild. So... I could imagine brewing with jalapenos has got to be a nightmare because sometimes you throw it in and it's the beer comes out so hot that people don't want to drink it and then yep. then you got to basically almost do two batches and blend all the time or something. Yeah, that that's kind of like um, how we were doing the Mexican standoff at Do South right. because it was uh, habaneros, uh, baker's chocolate, cocoa nibs, cinnamon, and vanilla. Mm -hmm. So it's already hard enough to balance all those flavors. And then every time we did it, it was like we'd go to the local farmers market, we'd get the habaneros, come back, cut them up. And it's like sometimes it would blow your face off and other times it would be you like, you know, I'm not it. getting it at yeah. all and we have to add more. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think uh, that's why a lot of people have done the extracts. And yeah. I'm with you. I can taste them immediately. There's something it's a it's like a in the back of the throat kind of a taste that uh, almost on any of them. Yeah. And there's and some fruit ones that just don't even taste like what you're, they're supposed to taste like at all. And they're probably um, more suitable for packaging. I mean, if we right. were to put any of these fruited beers in, in a bottle or a can, we'd have to be pasteurizing. Mm hmm. Ooh. What's that one, Joel? That's the uh, the, That's the Blanc Stare. That's our Brute Saison dry hopped with Hollertal Blanc. That is fun. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we kind of switched up our house Saison a little bit. It's a French uh, Saison yeast from White Labs, and it tends to over-attenuate. So the last batch we did, 
came down to like 0.8 and it got real dry, which was fine. I was like, good, that's how I like it. But it still had some kind of like residual fruity character. So we brewed a little bit of a, a lower gravity version of it. I mean, lower gravity. This is 7.3. Our, our house Saison is like, our Vernie Street Saison is 8.2. So mm. um, went a little bit lower with the alcohol in this one. And uh, I had already gotten this, this brute enzyme that I had planned to use for an IPA when I first started reading about it. And I kind of had it sitting around for a couple of months and didn't do anything with it yet because I just couldn't fit it into the schedule. And then brewed IPAs just started popping up everywhere. And I was like, well, I, I don't want to jump on the train just yet. Let me see if I can play with it in something else and see how it works. So I love a dry saison. So uh, what we did was I actually uh, got connected through like a third party, uh, someone from San Francisco who had interviewed the guy known to have created the brute style. Uh, his name is Kim something. I forget his last name. I apologize if he's listening, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Probably. so, yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. um, so, uh, we basically brewed the Saison. It finished at about 1.2 and, uh, we cold crashed it kind of part of the way, harvested the yeast, and then we dosed the tank with the enzyme and it came down 0.1, like a day until it hit zero, zero. And then we dry hopped it with the Hollertau Blanc, which imparts this great kind of white grape and honeydew note that I really like. And uh, it's nice. It's dry. It's crisp. It's a little more carbonated than the rest of our beers. Um, this is this is like kind of going back to what we were saying about growlers and crawlers. I took a crawler of it with me to Orlando this weekend, and I was like, oh, I don't want this anywhere but draft. Like it, it just it was it disappointed me. Mm. And I filled it personally, and I was <laughs> like, I just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's those beers that just don't travel well. That just you want them you want them on on keg only and, yeah. and poured right and. And like you were saying before, you never know. I mean, obviously, you can have an idea of what bars are taking care of their lines and pouring properly yeah. and Leading cleaning them, their yeah. faucets yeah. and everything. But you just <clears throat> never really know. And if somebody puts your beer on a dirty line or they didn't clean the line beforehand and they've got, you know, Mexican standoff uh, Saison. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you get something like a big and you see it all the time. People change a beer and you see the draft rotation. You're like, how'd you go from like that red IPA to a, you know, to a lager or something. It's like, you know, that's going to blend in that line. Yeah. Um, and, but you see it all the time and it, you can't really, once it leaves your door, you have no, you have no say over how it's going to be poured anymore. So. Yeah. I remember a story from years ago at a, not a world of beer something similar, but uh, I won't name breweries or anything, but you'll figure out who I'm talking about. They were putting on their, they were having like a tap takeover, and they were putting on their oatmeal raisin cookie mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> on the root beer line. And it was like, that, that root beer is never coming out of that, that line. Root that's beer like is, that yeah. is the root yeah. beer line now. Yeah. There's, you're not, that's the worst thing you could ever put on. In fact, you should put a soda line in, in, your, in your cooler right. for that, because the, if you put it on a regular beer line, it's torched. That'll never yeah. not be root beer again. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I love going to like, you know, some of the, well, I don't love going to the chains, but like, you know, I like some of like the ale houses, like you go get a steak and stuff. Like I'll take my kids to Duffy's kids eat free on Wednesdays and all that kind of shit. But hey, like, <laughs> but I'll be like, oh yeah, that I know those guys who make that beer. I'll have that. And then it's a diacetyl bomb or it's completely skunked. And I'm like, I, I can't even finish it. And it's made like 10 miles away, mm -hmm. but who knows what happened to it from the time it left their dock to it got on tap. Taps, or, yeah. right, and so knows. like, like I didn't even finish this one pint of a beer I dearly love made by a good friend and I just let it sit there and I'm like, I can't believe this happening. And I texted them. I'm like, you guys have never done this before. I know this is not you. Like someone has to come clean these lines. So then I opted for a bottle of another local brewery's beer and it was like five months old. And so like nobody's rotating product, nobody's cleaning lines. 
Um, I've been to accounts, you know, when I was with a distributing brewery and just seen the absolute hellish nightmares of even like nice restaurants and their disgusting walk-ins. I mean, I won't name the restaurant, but like you wouldn't think that this one place owned by a very prominent athlete would have like just the most beautiful draft system you've ever seen absolutely covered in mold, like green shit. And there's I've talked about it on the on the show before when you start to get the opportunity cost of so many taps and it's such a good marketing ploy to have 100 taps or 150 taps or whatever it is. None of those lines are clean. None of, none of those beers are fresh. You tap a beer, how long has it got in the keg before it starts to flatten out and get, and get you know right. shitty? Well, if you're competing with 149 other taps, that beer, it's going to be a month before that keg's, to, you know what I mean? So At least, yeah. And I, I, when I wasn't a craft beer person, would go to these places and I'd love all this big selection and, oh, my God, it's awesome. And I couldn't taste the off flavors back then. It's a, My palate wasn't anything i didn't know what i was tasting sure yeah but now you go to those places and i'll drink a a handpick any of those beers on tap and you'll you'll taste something wrong with it because it's probably been tapped for three and a half weeks it probably went on a line that wasn't cleaned properly between the last beer and this beer um and and just imagine the feat of having to clean 150 lines you think they're doing that every month you think they're doing that every two weeks i mean when are they cost of chemical when are they doing it you know so yeah yeah, crazy. it's it's insane to think that. But every time I see those places with, I, I you know I say any more than sixty taps, the op, there's no way that you have enough business to have your taps not compete with each other, and yeah. then Damn. and then you're you're having bad beer or just old beer. Right. Yeah, and you know for uh, for us that I mean that was the big thing that really drew me here was that for the most part, if you want our beer, <sighs> you have to get it so here. Good. I know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, to, if you want our beer, you got to get it fresh here, and you know we can control it. If it if it goes bad, we'll take it off. Fortunately, we've never had that problem. Nothing here. Like the thing that stayed on tap the longest was our Irish Red Ale. That you know, no seasonal creep. Like we tapped it on St. Patrick's Day. It was on tap for like three months on the dot, which is the longest I would give it, and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. So you know, mm-hmm. fortunately, we're busy enough to where nothing is getting old, and we can control it if it does go bad. So this this last one's a, is a saison, right? It is. It stays okay. on here, yeah. Yeah. Because we haven't talked about this yet. This, oh, we didn't talk we about this. We haven't talked about it. I like, Cez- I like this Saison because it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Most Saisons to me are very dry and like grainy and peppery. Peppery, and I don't, I don't like that Saison. This one's good. I it's like a little bit drier, one. but the finish is refreshing. I thought for the dry and the crispness, I still get that mouth-watering uh, after the kind of finish where yeah. my mouth still craves more, but it's mm-hmm. not like the super dry wines where you're left with a dry mouth mm-hmm. and you, I mean, you want to crave more, but this is like, it's a good balance. Cause you kind of get, like you said, the, the melon and the sweetness, the fruitness, mm-hmm. but then it also has that crisp finish. So it's somewhere between really dry and a little bit, not so dry. Yeah. And I like that. Cool. It, it kind Thanks. of like walks the yeah. line. Thank you. Yeah, everything's it's everything so far is great. Now, do you plan on doing any con candy IPAs <laughs> or, uh, um, I, what was the one? What was the food court tweet? Was that was that you? The food court probably uh, popsicle <laughs> stick or something. I don't know. No, the, the cotton candy and the uh, the, yeah. the the mash tun or whatever. I mean, picture. I I look. I, I joke about that stuff all the time, but I know that those beers do have their place and, and they do have their audience, and I don't begrudge anyone for making them. I just sometimes I see. It, it it's like the Instagramification of beer because it's not enough to just make a beer anymore. It's like look at all this stupid shit we just put in this beer today. <laughs> like I saw, like I saw somebody 
doing the most like labor intensive dosing of fucking cookies that I had ever like just bag after bag of cookies. And this is like the cheapest flour, I don't know, like Nabisco could find corn syrup, like just like th- this is just garbage ingredients that have been pressed into a, a thing that you eat. A cookie. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like now you're like. I I don't consider myself any sort of like artist or master brewer or anything like that, but I just I think there's more fun in trying to, you know, like obviously I don't think I could mimic coconut with malts or hops, like right. you know, the, the, you get like little notes of things and certain stuff. But I mean, like, yeah, I'm gonna use coconut in that beer, but like if you want a beer to taste like a cookie, I'm sure you could find some combination of dark malts that will taste like chocolate or dark chocolate or what you know I, I think there's more fun in the experimentation than just dosing it with a bunch of shit and saying this is what it tastes like because that's what we put in it as opposed to like i just there's just so all of these things are just mass-produced crap i, I don't get it um but like people go after it and there's, there's definitely an audience for it and and you know with troy here we're definitely going to experiment with some stuff i just for me, I don't. It, it doesn't appeal to me. I mean, in the same way that like the extracts and the flavorings aren't for me. Like, I also don't want to just take a box of Famous Amos and throw it in a, a ke- uh, you know, the kettle or something. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those weird things. It's kind of like that, uh, like the craft cocktail thing, where at craft cocktail bars they have this big like, I don't like vodka. Nobody mm. has vodka because they say the point of vodka is to mask the flavor of alcohol whereas in a craft cocktail you want the flavors of the alcohol to speak yep so it's kind of the same thing with what you're saying is if you're brewing a beer and you're trying to brew a beer that tastes good the point of it shouldn't be to brew a beer that you don't taste and then add cookies to it right it should be the flavor of the beer should speak to the ingredients you put into it so you know at at that point when you're throwing in a bunch of chips ahoy you're you're like oh man i hope the flavor of this beer doesn't actually mask the taste of the cookies it's like no you should have your beer on display and then the cookies should kind of just add to that flavor of the beer so yeah um i don't know i i've seen that where i'm like are you brewing the beer for the flavor or are you brewing the beer because you like the beer and then you're adding a flavor to it right you know what i mean i hear glitter is uh, a good flavor additive. <laughs> glitter we've yeah. got some <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah oh god I remember that. I'm like, Coconut's oh. a good flavor out of yeah, it. Because oh, this, is, one. this oh, yeah, is freaking yeah. killer. And I told you, you're not getting it back. It's mine now. That's fine. I got the glitter strictly to piss off the snobs. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you see the backlash to it, and it's like, yeah, I think I'll do that. Because it's, like, it's like, you know, the people, the, the shitlords who line up at 4 a.m. for some, you know, sandwich beer, they don't come here. Don't be pointing like, at me. They don't, they, you know. <laughs> it happened I, once. All right, God. <laughs> And that's fine. Like, every, you know, everybody. <laughs> it's my first time. It's the barely fudge bucket. You guys yeah. Wait in line at 8 a.m. Fuck you. But it's like. <laughs> I got up at four. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I used, I used to line up for beer and all that kind of stuff. It's just for me, I don't, um, I don't know. Like, I, where, where the fuck, what were we talking about? I don't glitter. know. We're coming off the rails, glitter. man. Glitter. Yeah, yeah, glitter. So, right. So. Um, America glitter again. You know, I mean, like, we're brewing beer for the neighborhood, and, and, like, for me, you know, rule number one is brew what you like, drink what you like. I'm not trying to, like, piss on anybody who makes all the crazy experimental stuff, because I know a lot of them, and a lot of them are really good dudes. And, like, those, you know, those shitlords, as I mentioned, like, will give those guys hell online, and I end up, like, defending them, because it's like, you're just some keyboard commando. Like, you don't know how to, you don't know how to brew, so, you know, and... 
Like the glitter, when I saw like how much it was enraging, just the, the, <laughs> the dorks, I was like, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. And I bought that in with the same order that I got that, uh, BS, that, that enzyme from BSG for the brute beer. So um, we were kind of sitting on the glitter for a little. And I mean, it's like, it's literally like an instant dose. It, it's a very fine powder. It's not like that craft store glitter that gets everywhere. Like right. it, it, it's not those tiny squares. Like this is powder. And the tiniest little dose of it, you put it in a glass and it's like shimmering and it's ridiculous. It doesn't taste like anything. It doesn't. <laughs> there's, there's, it's there's, the best ingredient right, ever. Right. Like there's no, there's literally no mouthfeel, no flavor, no aroma, no nothing, but it shines and people like that. And honestly, it looks pretty badass in a dark beer because like it okay, takes, because yeah, yeah. it's like a silver glitter and it takes like the dark malt and like turns it gold. Like there's this gold shimmer. So there's more glitters coming out, is what you're saying. Right? <laughs> I got a glitter whole canister. Everywhere. I got to do something with it. <laughs> glitter everywhere. Let's be that coffee porter with a, a little bit of glitter. My I, out of fun. It's amazing to me the people that like. I know you can have an opinion and stuff, but like, I don't. I never understood the like. These people are freaking. They suck. Blah 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 because they're putting glitter in their beer and this and that. It's like, then don't drink it. Yeah, yeah. Just don't order. Go yeah. somewhere That's else. Tough. Like, like, you don't like what they're doing, then just don't go there. Yeah, like, right now, somebody is listening in their car, you know, to this recording. They and probably they're like, hate us. They're like, he just <laughs> said no to, like, s'mores beers, and now he's putting defending glitter. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. That's the, me. Yeah. The, the, listeners of, the listeners of the show who get offended by the things we say, it's like, you, you know, obviously, we appreciate your, your viewership. We like you. But if you don't like us, then what are you tuning in for? Like. If you're if you're voluntarily going out of your way to go to places you don't like just so that you can be up, upset, there's something wrong with you, not us. Oh, everyone's <laughs> like, looking, everyone's looking to get upset. They're looking for they're looking to get offended by things. It's like I didn't make you come in here. <laughs> like, I didn't. I, no offense meant to you, man, but you can just walk by. Yeah, and that's what's funny. <laughs> like we had we did a uh, where I work, we did a Gatorade treatment to our Berliner, right? And someone on Untapped, which is probably another hellhole. Yeah. Said if I wanted Gatorade, I would have went to Seven Eleven and gave it like a fucking half out of five. Right. And when you look at the size of the container when you check it in, this person got a crawler of it. Right. It's like why the fuck would you order that? Like it clearly says on the tap list, or a lemon lime Gatorade, Berliner with fresh limes, lemons, whatever. Why would you get a crawler of it? I had and a then guy. You get a shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a commodity. I had a guy. Uh, I had a guy come into my restaurant the other day, and he was upset that we didn't have pickled eggs and a, a jar of pickled pigs feet behind the bar. What? And I was like, <laughs> "And you've so been weird. and you've been to my restaurant, which yeah, is yeah, like yeah. not a, a it's not a gas station. It's yeah, a yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a yeah. middle upscale kind of tavern esque yeah. restaurant with a full food menu." And I'm like, "I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do, are you what? asking for gas station food at my restaurant?" I'm like, and he's like, "Well, get off your high horse, there, Mister Uppity, or something." I'm like. I'm not being uppity because I don't have pickled pig's feet behind my bar. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you expected when you walked into this place, but, like, not that. <laughs> like, it's like in Clerks when the guy walks into the convenience store and he's like, do you have hubcaps for a 72 Chevy or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> what a world we live in, right? It really is. And then, of course, he's offended by me answering the question, like, probably a little dickish, but whatever. Like, you can't ask dick questions and then get, expect non-dick answers. Yeah. <laughs> like, dick on dick. Answer dick on dick on yeah. dick crime. <laughs> dick on dick crime. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's wrap it up. Um, Joel, we'll, this will give you an uninterrupted moment to uh, plug anything you want to plug, any information you want to share, anything like that moving forward. Events, and events, such. anything. Yeah, thanks. Beer. Yeah, and thank you guys for being here. Um, 
feel free to have some more beers after we wrap this up. Um, oh, that's that's happening. I. I'm I'm kind of, I'm honestly kind of nervous to have you try the porter because when I was brewing that porter, I was thinking of you guys and and I had never tried sea porter at the time, but I remember you guys were going on this rant and you were like, body, 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 like it's you had you had you had like this, this just, it was just like it has to have body, and like there's a part of me that you know, some beer people or or, or like you know beer knobs beer snobs or, or like super beer nerds think that like every imperial stout now has to come with a spoon and, or like one of those like 7-Eleven sur- slurpy straws with a little spoon on the end of it and it's like you know you can actually brew like a light bodied stout and it's within style and all that kind of stuff but like you know everything especially in Florida has just gone that extreme Syrupies. angle so when I was brewing that that stout I was like man these guys if they try this like it better have body <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I got I got real nervous because like because, like, I hadn't worked with this type of water filter before. Like, there was a couple little different things here that, you know, I was really nervous about. And it had been a few months since I had brewed beer. So um, it was kind of like, you know, is this like a bicycle? Am I going to remember how to do this? <laughs> and uh, so I brewed, I brewed, like, the first six beers. And I was tasting them every single day. And I'm like, okay, that's what I remember, like, newly produced work tasting like. I'm like, okay, I think we're all right. And I would taste them every day throughout fermentation. And all of a sudden, like three or four days in, everything just went like watery thin. And I was like, oh, my God, where's the body? Yeah. And like, I don't know what happened. Like it all came together at the end. But like there was this weird mid fermentation thing where like everything turned to water. And I was like, I was panicking. But like it all turned out fine. Everything was good. We didn't dump any beer. But uh, every time I think of like anytime I'm brewing the stout, the porter, it's, I'm like, I always think of you guys going body, body, body. That's me all the way. I'm yeah. like, I do actually, I'd, I'd love to eat my stouts with a spoon. I think they're syrupy <laughs> and big and just we thick. Did last as, night with the, the oh my God, that fudge bucket. You might yeah. as well have brought out a, a yeah, spoon. Yeah, like one of those rubber spatulas, like, you, <laughs> like you're licking the brownie batter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of Sea Porter? Uh, I've only had it once, and it was like on draft somewhere like i feel bad i know that i've met one of those guys i haven't been down there i just i never get to any breweries like some breweries are having like their third fourth anniversaries and i'm like i've never been been, yeah i feel terrible (laughs) but um i tried it once i I liked it um they won gold at gabf right that's awesome yeah yeah that's awesome i think it was i think uh that many times i've had it the only time i was really absolutely blown away by it was on tap at their own place and then every other time i've tried it i've all i've I've always just been kind of not let down. It's still a fantastic beer, but I've just been kind of like, oh, I remember it being it's not better. As good as that one oh, time back it, in yeah. the day, back at the tap room, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. so much better. <laughs> like, but it is, it is a good beer. I love that beer. Mm-hmm. I know you do. Love it. You like cream your panties anytime anybody says it. That's right. Every time. <laughs> so they call it Sea Porter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. But sure <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that, so, hopefully that's not an ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> And glitter. <laughs> so any, anything you want to... Yeah, I'm going gonna, to do the G-Porter just for you. The, the glitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, buddy. I'm in. I'm in. I'll drive down for that. <laughs> so anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, West Palm Brewery and Wine Vault down here in downtown West Palm Beach. We are about two blocks from the Brightline Station, so you can take the train straight shot from Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we're not too far from Tri-Rail. We've got an awesome... Uh, pizza kitchen and we're doing all kinds of cool stuff in the wood-fired oven like wings and small plates 
Uh, we also have our private label wine that uh, is from our owner's uh, grapes in Napa and beyond. Uh, some really good stuff in the wine vault. So, you know, we try to provide, like, good stuff all around. It's not just about the beer. We are a brewery first, but, you know, we've got the good food. We've got the good wine. It's a cool place to hang out. Uh, we've got the patio outside if you want to come sit outside. Um, and the, the city has given us, like, the four parking spots outside, so we turn that into the patio, and they're also... Uh, giving us some money to actually expand outside and have like covered patio and the whole deal. So oh, wow. uh, we're trying to you know expand you know the the best way we can here, um, and it's, it's a cool place to hang out. We're open every day at four except weekends at noon, doing the tour Saturdays and Sundays. You'll either see me or Troy doing the tour, usually me. Um, that's that's about it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, I liked when we pulled up. I liked the way the exterior of the building looked. It was very retro and like different. So of all the modern West Palm stuff. This yeah. It, it kind of stuck out in, in a good way. We knew um, immediately, yeah. We knew immediately. Like, that, that's really, it. Yeah, this is there it, it is. Um, it's a cool, cool spot. It's a nice, great tap room, and, and the decorations on the wall and everything's very clean and clean looking and clean. The kitchen's on display. I like that. Display, the wood yeah. fire. Yeah, that's my favorite seat in the it's, house. That's really cool, the way that that's open and you can see the wood fire oven going and and all the wood over stacked up in the back corner there it's yep. just a very cool like functioning decoration and, you know, like, I, yeah. I like how the wine's separate from it has its own little area there everything's like super like spacious and organized and the branding's really good and thank you yeah, man, I'm excited. And you're walking distance from that big parking garage, too, at City Place, too. So that's... Yeah, I mean, we've got nice. this one right got, across the street. Right, I mean, that's the parking, whole... parking all over the place. So yeah. it's not... It is tough. I know downtown venues usually have a, a lot of tough times with parking and stuff like that. But it looks like you guys actually are in a decent spot where you're walking distance from a lot of good parking. We are, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Oh wow. And you yeah. go, in downtown, you got to expect to pay for parking. So I don't think that's even a thing where people be like, I can't believe I had to pay. On yeah. So. Ah yeah. oh, shit, we missed it by a day. <laughs> oh, you could have parked in our lot right here. We we have our lot. I told he you. Said it, and I said, there's a towway zone sign there. It looks like a bank. Yeah. So. Well. Well. Pro tip. Uh, so I we we basically lease the two rows of parking spots that we have from the bank next door, and then that third row furthest from the building. Don't park there. You will get booted and have to pay like sixty or sixty five dollars. But, you know, we've got signs posted up on the doors and stuff so people don't okay. park over there. Well, but, we um, could have saved a dollar fifty-five for you, but yeah, whatever. That's fine. I make the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you got anything to plug? I don't have anything to plug other than this wonderful brewery and this awesome opportunity to come down here and meet with Joel on a day. Yeah. You guys aren't even open yet, and you yeah, guys yeah. Uh, open the doors oh, for us. Yeah. This amazing coconut beer that you brewed for us. And uh, I'm going to try that hopefully very heavy-bodied porter. <laughs> body 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 but uh, no thank you very much for having us and it's a really cool opportunity we love this this is what we really do the show for is to come down and talk to people like you so thank you um it's been a lot of fun and, and I'm, I'm glad that we got the opportunity to come do it and this place is absolutely beautiful come down and check it thanks. out thanks yeah awesome yeah same thing i just want to uh, thank you guys for opening and allowing us to record here and i know joel we've been talking back and forth for a while about coming down and doing an episode and we finally did it so i'm glad we were able to do that and, and you know Obviously, the beers are great. The atmosphere is great. You guys are all great. So thank you. Nothing, nothing bad to say. Definitely a five star rating on all the platforms. I'm gonna give five uh, star ratings till I get a, a five star hefe. Yeah. <laughs> I also want a G porter. A G porter. <laughs> a glitter porter. The five star hefe could be a glitter hefe. <laughs> <laughs> you see how we're brewing for you? Yeah, we're making up recipes as we go. It has to be hazy though. Hazy. Yeah. Yeah. And extra juicy too. Is that like? Am I juicy? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
Yeah, thanks again. Uh, this, is, this place is great. West Palm Brewing and Wine Vault in downtown West Palm. Come check it out. Tell them out the bar podcast sent you. And as always, we'll see you guys at the bar. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.